everyone. Welcome back to 60 Minutes Spill. Today is a Sunday and I have my friend Selena on recording with me. Today, this is episode 14. When I reached out to ask if I had any teacher friends that were willing to come on, um, <laughs> I wasn't expecting quite a few teachers to reach out and be like, I want to come. I want to talk shit about this and that. And I'm like, okay, we're not trying to scold the parents here or do anything negative. I really just have some questions for what teaching life is like. And so Selena is a trusted friend that I thought would be safe to bring on to just discuss working in the world of education. We had Vanessa on last week. And so, yeah, now we're here to just spill a little bit about working as an educator and also to cover just like some career transitions that we go through in life. And so, hi, Selena, welcome. Hi, hello. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing good. Again, another teacher means another early bird. So I was like, I'm going to guess to say she wants to record early in the morning. So here we are, but luckily it's Sunday and I like to get a jump start on my Sundays to make the most of it before Monday creeps in. Do you get those Sunday scary, Selena, where you're like, oh, tomorrow's a long week or do you usually look forward to it? I, um, I have to mentally prepare myself. So I like to have like a Sunday check-in and, uh, I go through my planner and, um, I, I abide by that very much. And so I think that, uh, Sunday mornings are just a very quiet, like mm -hmm. still time where there's no chaos, especially if we have kids. And, uh, it's like a moment where I get to make myself breakfast and nobody else is going to eat it. And that's like, that's one of the best feelings. That sounds like a tradition. Yeah. That sounds like a wonderful tradition that I might start around here. Cause <laughs> this morning I asked my husband, since we'd be recording to take the kids out somewhere, a park. And he's like, we're going to go eat breakfast at McDonald's. And of course they went wild and they ran out the door and I'm like, this, you should do this. They loved it so much. You should do this every Sunday. Uh, <laughs> but call it a tradition. You call know, it a tradition. tradition. You have to do it now. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm going to be doing what Selena does, like making breakfast for myself and, you know, preparing for the week ahead. But I'm, I'm like you in that way. I do like to plan. Um, if I'm not, He's And, you know, again, my husband and I are so different. He's like, just let things happen. It'll be fine. Things change. I'm like, yeah, I still have to have a little bit of an idea of how I want things to go, even if it all gets messed up because life happens. But anyway, um, so tell us a little bit about what you do for a living currently. So currently I serve as the uh, senior assistant principal of instruction but I work for a charter school. So um, that in itself is a very different element than it is in a traditional based school district. So we do follow TEA guidelines. We are um, held to a certain uh, pedagogy and standard. It The only difference is that there were loopholes in the past that were, that were at times uh, okay to be because you're categorized as a charter school. So not necessarily is it a school district. So a lot of more the traditional um, ways of conducting, I guess, school operations is that transferred over into a charter school setting. So the charter school that I work for particularly, uh, you have assistant principals that have been promoted based off of their, based off of their work performance when they were in the classrooms. And then they go through series of interviews. And then if they're seen fit, then they are promoted into the positions like I'm currently serving. Um, so that what that in itself is is very, I think that many people understand that it's not necessarily like traditional school districts, but you do jump through levels or different criteria as far as certifications are concerned. So initially when I went into the classroom, I didn't have my teaching certification and much and many people know working for charter schools it does uh, that they do not but when you are in a school district you do are required to have one and sometimes what happens is that sometimes you don't even need your your certification you can get a probationary certificate um, and then you can go through the route of passing your your exams but not finished quite yet and they'll still endorse you even at school districts so there's various ways, especially now, because there's such a high demand of teachers right. that it's 
it's become where we've been, not only charter schools, but school districts have become a lot more lenient in terms of the guidelines that they're following, such as certifications in order to hire these, uh, these positions that they are in high demand to fill. Um, so my position particularly uh, was more of a non-traditional setting where I didn't need my certification as a principal. It came down to, did I understand the culture, the pedagogy, um, and how was I able to apply everything that I had learned in the classroom and transfer that over into an instructional leader? And um, what you are starting to see is the how everything has evolved from operational point of view into how are we going to instructionally uh, support our teachers and coaching and developing them? Wow. Wait, so when you say you're an administrator, what's your actual title? It's senior assistant principal of instruction. So okay. I, I'm an assistant principal, but I primarily focus in instruction. Um, and so now as I've entered into my fifth year, I'm starting to get more, a lot, a lot more, um, I guess, responsibilities in the operational setting as well. So we look at different processes, uh, coming up with strategies around uh, persisting students and of course, daily attendance. Okay. So, so Lee and I went to the same high school. You're a couple years older than me. Um, and I don't know if this is everyone, but I, I guess I'm at the age now I'm in my thirties where like, I'm looking at friends or like even acquaintances and seeing what they do for a living now. And I'm like, Oh, that's awesome. Like, that's cool. And it's kind of weird too. Cause it's like, we were <laughs> students once and now we're adults and now you're a senior assistant principal. And I'm like, Selena's the principal, like, this is kinda, but you're not, the, <laughs> do you ever have those moments where you're like, what? Like, yes. I'm like grown up and because you are so, I'm going to eventually, when I post my content for those people who don't know Selena, she's like so gorgeous and sweet and calm. <laughs> you just have this calmness to you. Um, are you the kind of assistant, senior assistant principal that students go to when they're in trouble? Like, do you I have a different approach as far as as um as addressing behavior I think because of my my background and experience in that with behavior that I understand that it's it's not a cookie cutter situation and that behavior has to be isolated from what we perceive as of like what could be understood as subjective right um and subjective could be Oh, he's, you know, he's hitting the wall. He's upset. Um, when it could be that we need to, we need to kind of separate those two entities into, okay, the behavior and what you think might be this by be the purpose of this particular behavior. It cannot be one in the same. It has to be approached objectively. It has to be identified. So he hit the wall that is one behavior. Now I need to find out what happened right before he hit the wall. Yeah. What is something going on? Could it, and what's the reason behind it, right? Yeah. And you can't find that out unless you observe a student and observe students in different settings and observations or for different time periods. And, or um, if you talk to them and depending on what kind of student it is, right? Because I, I have many students who don't speak as well. And so trying to identify the root cause of that is, is it can be very difficult, but you do have to have a lot of patience. And I do get that a lot that you, that I have a very, very, very soft heart and I have a lot of patience. So I think it's yeah. just inherently that way because of, you know, because of my voice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and thank you for sharing that. I I'm just here thinking like about how, honestly, how lucky the students at your school are because I had a very troubled childhood. I want to say all the way, maybe up until the point where I got to high school and I started to really develop more of like a sense of right and wrong. And I know it shouldn't take that long, but I want to say I had a lot of like lack of guidance, lack of supervision growing up. And, um, I didn't have the best, uh, what are I experiences when I'd end up like in trouble at school. Um, and I think that especially growing up in a small town, it's a lot about who, you know, and if your parents aren't involved or if they're not known, you know, it's, it's really hard to find people to like fend for you or to be there to advocate for you. And so 
it's really something that you, I mean, it's really like this position was meant for you <laughs> because of what you've been through personally in your background and throughout life and the course of your career. So I just want to say how nice it is and how, how happy I would have been to like be a student and get to go to a principal's office to, you know, whether it would be for <laughs> behavior or something. Cause I mean, there's a lot more awareness now than there was when we were growing up. There's so many resources. Um, and I feel like it sheds a lot of light on different behavioral, you know, um, things that are going on with students. It's not, it's not black and white, you know, it's not like he was bad. He's in trouble. End of story. Like, no, there's so much more to it. And the fact that you're in a role where you care enough to, <laughs> to yeah. see it, like see the bigger picture. <laughs> um, it's so beneficial for these students. And so I, I'm also really impressed with like the, the transition that charter schools have taken because now some of the charter schools down in the Rio Grande Valley are the best schools that you could possibly yeah. want your children in when before, yeah. isn't it crazy? It is. I think it's, it's nice how much we have grown and realizing that uh, that from the traditional aspect of it's more than operations and sometimes I would because my dad was a principal he would say oh I, I did one observation this year if I do one observation for one teacher every week and I manage 19 teachers oh my so gosh. this the aspect of that to me is just really unheard of because I strongly believe in supporting my teachers to manifest and heighten and capitalize on, on their strengths, but also support them in the sense that we're all human beings and we're all battling something else. So if, if there's a disconnect in the classroom, it's an immediate transfer of how can I help you? What is going on? Or this is what I'm noticing. Let's talk about that. And having weekly check-ins with them as well. That's something that's very different. Um, and many people working in charter schools, well, the particular one that I do work for, they understand that because that is the culture of it is is a frequent observations, frequent check-ins, and then also um taking an upward feedback. Uh I we all I understand that and I appreciate that as as a leader receiving the upward feedback because not necessarily everything can transfer the way you've intended it to. And uh, and understanding that about people, right? And I, I'm glad you mentioned we we do come from a very small town, and um and to be honest with you, that was a lot of a lot of the you know when I was initially in high school, I was overlooked. Um, I did get reprimanded, and I you know sorry, but I did go to ISS. And... <laughs> oh, I live there. It's fine. <laughs> okay. And I don't even, I can't even tell you why. Yeah. Um, and so that also spoke volumes because what we need to understand about students is that they have, uh, they're still developing emotional intelligence. And if we are reprimanding them without a particular reason or without escalation steps, then they're not going to learn um, how to fix those behaviors. If we can't find a replacement behavior for that or the root cause of it, then how are we going to develop them into successful individuals? And so understanding that there's a level of social emotional intelligence that has to occur even in, in a very young age, such as pre-K, um, and then developing that and making it linear into a, an alignment of sorts and making sure that they practice and develop that even until their graduation day. And um, that's that's really important because I can also tell you when, when I was in high school, I was never asked to fill out a financial aid form either. Um, yeah. I was never asked about what college I wanted to go to. I think if you didn't fall in the 10, the top 10% bracket or you didn't have a VIP card that your, you know, your family knew somebody, then you were overlooked. Yeah, it's almost and, as if you weren't expected to succeed or something. Like, yes, if you and you know, I mean, I, I love, I love a lot of teachers there, and I loved a lot of administrators, and that wasn't the point. I think it was just the culture that was set um, about and and defining, and and you siloed those students out into who's going to make it and who's not, and then you even knew students who were in special education because they made that very aware. Yeah, and. Um, and I, I, I think entering into this, I didn't know that this is what I was meant to do. I didn't know it was going to be what I wanted to do. I think I just stopped going against the grain. And uh, uh, and I mean that in terms of what God, the doors that God was opening. Yeah, and, absolutely. and I kind of went through those instead of like, you know, 
putting my heels down into the floor and saying, no, I think I'm going to wait. Right. And this time I, I listened. And so when I started going into those doors, I finally found out what I was good at because I felt like I was even younger. I struggled with, well, I don't think I'm good at anything. How can someone in, in so young say that about themselves right. too? Right. And, um, and so now that the, the culture is so important and manifesting that and having it permeate throughout your, your halls in the school is so essential to the, not only the social emotional growth of your students, but also their academics. Um, not just celebrating the students that give you the 90s and the 100s, but the right, students that right. need the growth from one year to the next too. Right. I mean, I love that you touched on emotional intelligence. I wanted to have like a whole episode on emotional intelligence <laughs> because I don't think that people understand how much emotional intelligence affects behaviors, communication, relationships, and just overall development of children and how a lot of students who are um, lacking that social intelligence and ability to succeed in the classroom, it's rooted so much deeper than that. And it truly does start at home, you know, most of the time. And so a lot of the things that you were talking about, I'm like, yes, absolutely. And we've had a, a episode already on like uh, mental health and culture. And I think that there were still definitely a lot of stigmas, even when we were growing up. And like I said, lack of like resources and awareness and things like that, where we did kind of get the shit end of the stick, our, our generation, we did. And it, it sucks, you know, because I look back and I think about how situations were handled where I, like you was in ISS, you know, and I'm like, what am I doing here? Like I was just defending myself or, you know, and it's maybe, uh, I didn't handle things the best way that I could have, or I, I lashed out or whatever. And it's like, now looking back, it's like, why was there not a single person, a counselor, a teacher, a principal, an assistant principal, a, I don't know, a secretary, anyone? Why was there not right. anyone that was willing to advocate for me as a child and not just myself, but like my peers, mm -hmm. friends that I knew weren't troubled kids, but would end up in trouble. And so it's, there's a lot to discuss there, but you covered it so beautifully in the way that your school is kind of implementing these things and the culture behind how you treat not just the students, but also your, your coworkers, because you are right. Like we are all human. And I think that, you know, a lot of um, old school ways of doing things at work is like, you don't bring your problems here to work. You show up and you show out, you do your job and that's all that matters. And then at five o'clock you can return to being a human. No, that's impossible. No, yeah. It yeah. Is. Yeah, I think like even during the, as a leader during our check-ins, I'm like, hey, how, how are you feeling today? How's everything going? How's your weekend? How's, you know, how's your daughter? How, how was that birthday party? Uh, you know, how, knowing um, very personal things about them is, is not just because you want to have that box of, of things just to know, but you're using that to build connections. And if you model that, like the sense of respect and, and that culture, I think, it still transfers over into a school setting. And I guarantee you that it prevents teacher burnout. Yeah. Um, so like, I, I know you had, I, I want to go back to, I know you had asked like, how did you end up in this position? Well, it's like, I always do everything backwards. And I think that I just had, a, a, I didn't have, I didn't have anyone guiding me towards the right departments or the right channels, just like I didn't have that support in, in high school. And I can remember, you know, I more oftentimes talking to an assistant principal or principal um, when I was in trouble versus when I was actually doing something that, and I never knew when I was actually doing something good. So um, that was there, you know, that was that, but uh, more so when it comes down to how did I end up here in this this title, well, I mean, the charter schools look at are how successful are students when they're when they're in your classroom, right? Oh, yeah. And then how does that your how does your work performance transfer over into maybe potentially fulfilling this title? And so now that I was here, and this is my fifth year, um, I was I and as I mentioned, we're kind of correlating more into into guidelines that are going to be coming up soon, and so I me and my my coworkers were like let's just go get our masters so um a year and a half ago i went and got my masters degree in special education and now i'm getting my second masters degree in educational leadership so i'll be finishing in october 
Oh my gosh. So I am. And then I'll get my certification of principal and then I will be, you know, by guidelines and everything according to TEA. Um, and so I think that I've never done anything traditionally. And I think it's okay to say that as well. Uh, because everyone tries to build one path that fits all for everyone. And mm -hmm. you need to remember that it doesn't necessarily apply to everybody. Yeah. And that goes in with, with curriculum that goes in with when you're at school and does this behavior plan or this, this, you know, a consequence fit this child, it doesn't, it, it's not necessarily all the same. And again, it's not a cookie cutter uh, type of plan. Everybody has to be looked at and, and um, unpacked differently. Yeah. Um, wow. You, co you covered so much that I'm like nodding and saying like, yes, and taking very personally because it applies to me as well. And, you know, I got pregnant at a young age, so absolutely nothing in my life has been traditional, but it really goes back before that. You know, I didn't, I didn't grow up in that cookie cutter, you know, household. I was pretty much raised by my grandparents. Uh, my mom was around and she's been involved in my life, but, um, you know, a lot of my problems in childhood and, you know, even past that were because I was being raised by two elderly people that were not really involved in my life. And that was nothing towards them. Um, I mean, can you imagine this is generations after they've raised their own children? So they didn't really know or understand. Um, but it did affect me ultimately in big ways. And I only see that now that I'm an adult, like looking back. But um, my career path has also been that way where it's been kind of like two steps forward, a few steps back. And that has a lot to do with life. And, you know, again, me not really knowing, no, no guidance, not knowing like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I making mistakes? And then we have to address financial circumstances and children okay. and yeah. And husbands or significant others, you know, those kinds of situations, everything like that's it takes such a toll on you. And so, yeah, I mean, when you talk about no one helped me fill out a financial aid application or asked me if I wanted to go to college or talk to me about my future. Um, yeah, same, you know, and I think that those things do have a big impact. You know, there's, there's a huge difference between where I was mentally when I was 14, 15 years old and where my current 14 year old daughter is because right. she's yeah. already asking me questions about, her career choices and, mm -hmm. and for her financial aid and her, I think I mentioned it here before she came to me the other day was like, where's my college fund? And I'm like, it doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> now we'll talk about generational wealth, sweetie. Like, you know, yeah. so it doesn't exist for us, but anyway, you know, those are conversations that I'm having with her that I'm like, who the hell is having these conversations with me? Nobody, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah. I, I can't, you know, I am so proud of you and so impressed with like all your accolades and like all these master's degrees. And I'm just like trying to just master life and I can't even do that. Um, and so it's really interesting that you bring all these things up because I took like 50 years to earn my bachelor's degree and it was really didn't make a big impact in my career. It was kind of more for personal achievement because what I was doing with an associate's degree, I was already kind of capping out like my earning potential and things like that. But I'm like, you know, if I do decide to go to grad school, this is a stone, a stepping stone I have to take. And so I did. And when I did that, I didn't get a raise, nothing really changed. And a whole lot of debt, you know, was accumulated throughout the process. So I was like, do I want to go to grad school or not? And when I started looking at these grad school applications, well, what do they need? Teachers, you know, reference letters, all these things. And one program that I was particularly interested in um, required for me to get a couple of letters from high school teachers. Oh and I, yeah. And like specifically, and this was at Texas women's university, just to mm -hmm. not to call them out or anything, but yeah. I, was, I, yes. I was kind of disappointed. Cause I'm yeah. like, why? Like I wasn't a good high school student. Like this isn't going to look mm -hmm. great. Who am I going to ask? And I'm not kidding, Selena. I was like, maybe this teacher might say yes. And I literally had a couple of people say no, like, and it wasn't yeah. straight up. No, it was like, Oh, you know, I don't have time. I'm like, I know you have a template somewhere that's for a reference <laughs> letter that you could just slap my name on. Like, I know you can, yeah. do that. but it spoke to who I was as a student and I wasn't a good student, but I feel like we should be allowed 
that grace, you know, like our, so anyway, to make a long story short, I ended up submitting an essay <laughs> discussing oh. my life and talking about how I'm sorry, but I can't submit any letters because I didn't have, I don't have a good background when I was in high school, you know, this, that, and the third took place. Anyway, they accepted it and I got accepted to the program. Oh my God, that's so awesome. And no, it was like really inspirational. Ultimately, I ended up not to go down that road. Um, okay. It, it was that's like so a good. career choice that I was like, no, you know what? This is definitely not going to be for me. But um, yeah, like I, I didn't even, this is actually the first time I'm talking about it. Only my mom knows about this. Um, and it made me, I guess, because the process of writing the essay was kind of eye-opening and almost emotional seeing like how far I've come technically with my emotional intelligence and everything that I've been through and so the lady actually called me and was like you know this is really a big exception we're very strict about the references we have to make contact with them if they're retired we track them down I'm like oh my goodness this is quite the process so it felt really nice but my point is that like if you're listening to this and you don't have the best track records, but you have educational goals that you want to pursue, like you are a different person today than you were yesterday, you know? So you're definitely a different person than you were when you were 16, 17. You know, I got pregnant, like I mentioned young. And I think back and I'm like, what was I doing? Like, how, what was I, I know. I mean, Aubrey is going to be, well, my Aubrey, right? Yes. Well, the, the one we both that have I, Aubrey's guys. We both have daughters <laughs> named Aubrey. <laughs> the one that I made, um, yeah. she's 15, she's be 16, um, in November. Right. And I'm thinking like, wow, you know, people get pregnant now at that age or they did and stuff. Yes. And I'm like, but you don't, you know, it's not a statistic that you're a part of. And I think that you should be very proud of that as well, because you weren't a statistic. You weren't what they probably pegged you to be. And um, that is something to be very proud of. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, and you were, you couldn't have been, you were a young mom too, right? How old were you? Yeah. So I had Aubrey when I was 19 and then I went to college but I see mine, mine is pretty similar to yours too. Is like when I was in college, I, I just thought, okay, I'm going to get a bachelor's degree. Right. I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And I started college late. I didn't start until I was 21. So that's it. That's also a big thing was yeah. I didn't start college right out of high school because I didn't have assistance. I didn't have any Your mother. Yeah. I, I didn't have, I didn't know what to do. I graduated when I was 17 in high school and then, um, nobody told me anything. They kind of just said, congratulations, bye. Right. Um, and when I graduated, I I got a job and then I got pregnant with Aubrey. And then by 21, I lost the job and I was like, wow, like, dang, people fire you. And, and it was for a silly reason. Okay. It wasn't, it was like a silly, silly reason. They wanted a clean house and they needed a reason. I think I got there like five minutes late and they're like, Oh, you're five minutes late. And I, I was would like, never have lost it. I was like, oh my gosh, that's 20. I was like 20 years old. And um, and it was a good job, but I got so caught up in like, oh, this is good money type of thing. Right, right. right. And uh, and so when I got into college, I said, you know what, I just want to do something that no one can take away. And that was the thing, is that eventually it, it brought me to to back to school. And I said, Well, no one can take my name away, no one can take my school, my degrees away. So let me just go back. Like, you know, let me just go back. Um, I went back and then I had Aubrey, then I had the both boys. I think oh that was difficult in itself. And so I I had a very low GPA. And in college, I I graduated with a major in um psychology and a minor in anthropology and business. Oh I know those are very um they have different layers, I guess. Yes, yes. Uh, but anthropology is very important. So I mean, they're wonderful degrees to have, (laughs) especially living in the Valley. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so they really are. And I remember graduating. I said, I know I don't want to teach. I don't want to teach. I want to go to, I want, I wanted to go to law school and I wanted to um, be a lawyer and and help kids who didn't have a voice. I could see that. And, And ironically, I, you know, you, you want to make God laugh. You tell him your plans. Right. And I was like, this is it. These are my plans. And, um, and then I ended up having two boys who didn't have a voice. And so I was like, okay, all right, well, you know, where, where do I go from here? And that 
that actually catapulted me into education. Because let me tell you also, um, my experiences my experiences gravitated me towards education. And one particular instance when I was in an ARD meeting, it was Lucas's first ARD meeting at a school in our small town. And um, I remember finding out the teacher would send him to other teachers because she couldn't manage him. And he was in pre-K. She couldn't manage him. So she would send him to other teachers. And I didn't know that so we're sitting in our art meeting and I have no idea what's going on in this art uh, meeting. Honestly, art meetings are like the most intimidating, terrifying experiences. For young, as, oh my goodness. Especially young parents because yes, you're there and it's, oh my gosh, if you go alone, parents out there, if you have children with special needs, um, yes. take someone with you, like even just for moral support, they don't have to know any more about anything. It's just mm-hmm. continue. But I just wanted to give. I understand that feeling. So continue. Yeah, no, no, that is exactly how I was feeling. But um, I, so I had this art meeting coming up. I was the one who requested evaluation for him. Nobody else wanted to, even though they said he doesn't do this, he doesn't do that. And I was like, okay, fine. So anyways, cut to the art meeting. I'm sitting there with the diag, the SLP, the teacher, the principal, you know, everybody who, who was part of the art meeting, right? And it's my first art meeting. I had just gone to college. I was, you know, I looked super young and um, I didn't know the difference between having a primary disability label of non-categorical with an underlying of autism and uh, speech impaired only. So I was like, okay, well, how many, you know, how many times do you see him for speech services if he were to receive this label and versus this label, right? Label number one, label number two. And before the speech therapist can answer, the diag says, no, don't tell her. She has to choose first and then we'll let her know. That's horrible. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I remember my sister had just started in, in um, being a life skills teacher at the time. And she says, if at any part of the meeting, you do not feel comfortable, just tell them to stop. And it's recorded, right? It's usually. Oh my God. I recorded it though. I had it in recording and uh, in the state of Texas, just so everybody knows, even if one party knows that you are getting recorded, it is not illegal and it's still permissible. Right. And wait, can you also, um, the uh, diagnostic tician. diagnostician. Uh Yes. Cause you were, um, like abbreviating the term. So oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. No, I just, for those people who are listening, who maybe have a child with special needs, that's not in school yet. Cause we're yes. hearing you guys, but we might have to do an episode on this. I don't oh, know. Yeah. You need a whole <laughs> new one. And then you, yeah. Like yeah. You and I wasn't going to ask, any, I wasn't going to ask you anything personal <laughs> about the boys because it's, it's, it's sensitive to some people, but you know, yeah, you, yeah. you, you should, I, um, I think like, it's important that, um, because we're talking also about how did you end up here? What, yes, what, of course, what steps did you take? And I think that it's also important to to uplift the fact that it wasn't a linear pathway of absolutely. a career, that it it took these these dips and these valleys to get to where I'm at. And and although defeating, and and I I I say this because in my undergrad I didn't get a very um high GPA. And so hence my two master's degrees. This is so funny, but um, I'll brush up in a, in a little bit. But yeah, so that during that time, she says, no, don't answer. Right. And I said, OK, you know, I, I just said, I, I don't feel comfortable. I want to stop. I did eventually get someone to help me, another diagnostician um, to come sit in as an advocate during the ARD meeting. And that is also permissible as well. But it, and then her boss came because I had called her boss. And, uh, you know, I just, I, at some point after I got out of college, I said, I don't want to be bullied anymore. And oh my gosh. <laughs> they, people bully you and, um, they, it, it doesn't always mean physical. And I think that's also something that people don't understand is that. And I, yeah. And I think people don't realize that bullying doesn't end when you leave school. No, like, There are work bullies. Yeah. There are life bullies. There are bullies in your family sometimes. Like yes. it's, yeah. Another episode. <laughs> another one well I'm sorry to manifest all this stuff no but, I'm like uh, Selena you better have availability because we have a lot to talk about <laughs> and so like it's so from there I said okay so then I went into teaching and then 
I started applying certain practices that I would like for teachers of my kids, my boys to use into my classroom. And then it, I, I ended up growing. I grew so much as a teacher because it wasn't just straight to applying consequences or reprimanding a student immediately. It was, you know what, I think you need to cool down a little bit. Why don't you, and I would call it go to Alaska. Alaska was like the area where they had sensory toys, oh, they wow. had a timer. And um, Alaska for me was like, there's no noise. There's just this very calm and cool and collected area. And so they'd go to like the corner in Alaska. It wasn't, it was not in any means in timeout. It was just, are you ready to learn? No. Okay. Well then, you know what? Why don't you go over there? Let me know when you're ready. Right. And then, um, and then it would be, okay, we'd have so much fun with the group of kids that were actually learning that they would eventually be like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to come back. I'm like, good job. Let's yeah. go ahead and start again. Um, I'm like taking notes here. I'm like, Alaska. yeah, it's <laughs> nice. It's nice. Like you reference it, you know, you associate words and, and places and actions for them. And it just means so much more. So when I got into my teach, my area of, of teaching, I finished about four years they, you know, I applied for assistant principal at my campus and then, um, I got, I got the job. Right. And then, um, I, I think I wanted to expand more from what I was applying in the classroom to managing teachers and making sure that they were doing similar practices, maybe not in the same ones, but similar practices. And so, um, that helped out a lot because then we were able to, uh, see that growth from teachers managing behaviors. And that was really nice. Um, that was a really nice growth to see. I think that um, from there, I I said, okay, I think I want to go back for my master's degree. And because I had such a low GPA in my undergrad, nobody wanted to take me. Oh my God. And I kept trying and trying and trying. I mean, I had scheduled Zoom meetings with deans and I scheduled other zoom meetings. Alina, um, I'm not, I just went through this entire process because also I had such have, have yeah. guys, not past tense. I have <laughs> such a low GPA. And I, especially when I was in nursing school, I was very much a, let's see our way out of this. Like, Hey, C's get degrees. Yes. Like that was my yeah. mindset. And I yeah. hate, it's not because I'm an underachiever. I truly am not academically gifted. Like I'm not by any means. I have to my sister and I were so different in a sense that she could just, you know, sit in a classroom, take a test, pass it. I have to take notes. If I'm even mildly zoned out, I won't succeed in the, in the course. And so can you imagine going through life, working, raising a kid, you know, doing whatever I was doing? Like I just didn't do well and it showed. And so it wasn't until yeah. I started trying to apply for grad school that I realized, oh, I'm going to have to do something that I don't want in order to get where I want to get. And yeah. so that's those, and it sucks because even those that I didn't really want to do have those stipulations that I was discussing about like references and this and that. So mm -hmm. even though they were willing to look past the GPA aspect, there were other hurdles I had to. So I'm actually still there. That's why I haven't oh, started grad school okay. because I'm like, Oh, what do I don't want to have to spend time right. and money, you know, yeah. I'm really trying to get some of those school loans uh, forgiven. Where are you at Biden? Where are you at? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'm like trying to just, you know, avoid further, you know, indebting myself. So yes, carry your yeah. experience with me because I'm curious. It could be something I learned from and I'm trying to decide what I want to do. So what, what did you have to do? So after like the first, no, I'm pretty persistent. I, I, I'm a very persistent person <laughs> and, um, and I, I was like, okay, no, it's fine. And I applied like twice to this, the a master's in of education, special education at UTRGV. And then there were some changes in the district or at the, our charter school. And then me and my coworkers were like, yes, let's just, let's just try. But I was like secretly freaking out because I'm like, I'm not going to get it. I can't get in. I have a low you know, GPA. And they all got into the educational leadership program and when I talk to this lady, she says, I cannot admit you, your GPA is too low. I said, but what do I do? And she, she gave me these options and none of them were realistic. And then I talked to, then I was like, okay, maybe not educational leadership. 
let me try my special education again. And so I talked to the dean and I called him and I said, hey, Dr. So-and-so. I said, this is the case. This is my GPA. I can do it. I promise. You know, like it's just, I just need to, sh and the only way basically was uh, to get into educational leadership is if I could prove that I could do master's degree level work above a 3.0. And, and so I said, you know what, I already, I already know so much about special education, even though I do phone my sister. Uh, <laughs> I know so much because there's always so much more to learn. Yeah. And so when I called him, he's like, just, just um, submit your application. I said, okay, fine. And so I submitted everything and I got in. Oh and God. so I got in with that low, low GPA, just because I don't know what he was thinking, <laughs> but and I graduated with 4.0. Oh my and God. When I graduated and got my degree, I went back to the other doctor at the at educational leadership department. And I said, here, I graduated with 4.0. You see, I'm not the same. I'm not the same person. I could, I could do this. And she says, you are very, and then another hurdle came. And then she was like, look, it's, I, I know how hard you've been working. We're going to admit you. Um, the criteria had changed for some things because they were revamping the, the curriculum plan or the degree plan. I'm sorry. And, um, and so I said, okay, that's fine. So I, she got me in and, and now I only need two more classes and I, I'm still have a 4.0. So <laughs> that's so incredible. And, um, yeah, some of my, I'm just like, still like, uh, piecing the story together and like, it's, it must've felt so good you know, because you were so determined and it's really, I feel like I'm like you in a way of like, when I'm told no, it's like, no, yes. So like I can make yeah, it happen. Yes. Like, trust me. <laughs> and so I think, um, I think it takes a lot of hardships and like coming on um, coming out of the other side to be able to say, you know, I do want this. And I feel like the more hurdles come up, the harder it makes you work towards it and like want to prove yourself and things like that. And so I'm just really happy for you and to be able to maintain yeah. that GPA, yeah. like, especially after that was your, like your, your downfall, you know, like that yeah. GPA yeah, so it's like kind of traumatizing. So mm -hmm. um, I'm really excited for you. And that kind of leads me, I haven't had to really ask you any questions because everything has just kind of flowed so beautifully. Like you've kind of covered every single thing I wanted to ask you, but that leads me to like your, my next question is what is your ultimate goal in education? Like what would be your dream to, to accomplish guys? You can't see Selena, but her mouth, like, her jaw <laughs> drops. And she's like, Oh, I can see like all the ideas like flowing through her head. And if it's something that you don't know yet, you know, but like, what are a few things you want to accomplish, you know, between now and the end of your career? So this is something I started doing recently guys. I started realizing, okay, around what age do people typically, you know, retire? And am, is that going to be me? Am I going to be the typical retiree or am I going to be that person that they have to like force me out of the office and say, Hey, it's time <laughs> to go enjoy your life. You know, what is my life going to look like? I'm not sure. Some days I feel like I can't wait for that time of my life to come. And other times I'm like, no, like, you know, careers give you meaning and purpose and especially if you're passionate about it. Um, so I, then I started to ask myself, fine, between now and whatever that time frame is, God willing, right? I live a long, healthy life. What are the main things I want to accomplish like with my career? And like, what about you? Especially because it yeah. seems like you've covered so much. And I think the most important aspect of all this is to just trust your journey, you know, like trust the process. And Definitely everything that you go through is ultimately going to, if you respond with grace and if you stay faithful to whatever it is, I understand that everyone is a God believing, God fearing person, but if it's God, if it's the universe, whatever you trust to manifest what you feel you desire or deserve out of this life, like if you stay true to that and don't allow the bad in life to overcome you, um, things will work out, you know? And I feel like even in your darkest moments or your most challenging moments, you took that and created something beautiful out of it. You used everything as a learning experience and literally are just this badass now that like has <laughs> defeated all odds. And like, it's so inspiring. It really is. I feel like I'm 
like similar in a way, except I'm still mm-hmm. trying to like find my way through it. And I'm okay with that. Like yes, if anything, yes. this inspires me, you know, more, mm-hmm. but it's also okay sometimes to take a step back and say like, hold on, like, okay, my family needs to come first right now. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. But don't lose sight, you know, because that will, it will pass. This too shall pass. It will always pass and something else will come, <laughs> but yeah, in those, it's in those moments where you can catch a breath that you can refocus, you know, and re re um attach yourself to those plans and those goals so what is it for you like what are your what are your plans are you gonna go back to school uh it's like you can read my mind yes (laughs) no I just knew I know you already throughout this yeah so you see I think that and I know you mentioned my my whole the way I've 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 evolved as a person is I have it very centered around around God in my faith. But I think that you can also see that even if you don't believe in those things in yourself, like believing in yourself, because at times you could be your own worst enemy and you need to forgive yourself for things that you weren't able to do probably to where you expected yourself to perform or to be at. And just to let that go and, and, and uh, move on into something and become something better than you were yesterday. Right. And it's okay to make a mistake. It's okay to make bad choices as long as you learn from it and move on and making sure it doesn't happen again. Right. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I just mean that in general. I, I, and I think I say that to Aubrey a lot too. I yeah. said, I, I don't have a high demand of like, I need you to have A's. I need you oh, to do yeah. that. Neither do I. I. I think I just want her to be happy. Yeah. And, and this makes me happy pouring into Pouring into what I could potentially help with in the future makes me happy. Mm-hmm. And when I see myself in terms of my career, I I plan to go back for my doctorate. Yeah. So uh, that will be coming in a couple of months. And I'm excited about it. I'm scared. I'm nervous. But uh, ultimately, I think I've been asked this a couple of times because I'm going through other programs at work too. Uh, in developing myself into a principal is like, what, what do you want to be, right? Or what do you want to do? And I think that I I would like to have experience as a principal, experience as a leader to help support, develop, grow, and manifest what a leader should encompass mm-hmm. and always putting students first. So whether that's in the capacity as a principal, whether it's a capacity as a leader in somewhere else, um, I think that as long as the what I do and my and how what I do and how I do it is going to be pertinent to how successful I'm going to be in the position. Mm-hmm. So and and again I I wish I could tell you plans that I, I have. I could tell you goals. Yes. So I wish I had, you know, I wish I could become a principal one day and, and be able to do this in a bigger capacity at, with my other instructional leaders and then cascaded down into their teachers. Um, but maybe God will call me to something else. But this yeah. ultimately is going to go into, sorry, there's like a little robot. So if you can it's cut okay. that out. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Oh, it's little robot. <laughs> <laughs> it's like throwing me off the loop right now it's okay um I think that yeah I think it's it's wonderful that you say you know I I, I'm not going to make plans but I am going to set goals because I think that you know think back to that first art that you ever sat in like those feelings Mm -hmm. and you never could have known in that moment how that would have affected your approach to education and being an educator today and, you know, I think it, it is that collective approach that you take towards not only your students, but your staff and, you know, your teachers and everyone else that's involved with ensuring that these students' educational needs are being met. And that is what's ultimately going to make you an incredible principal one day and already, yeah. you know, incredible in your current role. Like, I just think that another thing that I wanted to touch on is I can recall a time where I started setting goals for myself and I, like you was like, okay, well, this is where I've ended up. So I'm going to make the most out of this particular career that I'm in now, because I'm not sure if this is where I'm supposed to be, but this is where I'm at. Right. Mm -hmm. And then getting passionate about something and then achieving all the goals and steps that it 
that it encompassed to get there and then getting there and saying, Oh, I don't like it here. <laughs> I actually don't want to do this. <laughs> now I have my eyes, my sights set on something else. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but it it's happened to me multiple times. And it doesn't matter guys. Like if you have a goal and if you work hard to achieve that degree, that certification, whatever it may be, and then you get there and your life looks different. There was a point where I had one child for seven years and then boom, boom, boom. I had three kids within a span of less than two years. So life happens, you know, it's not always children. You can go through a divorce. You can suffer a loss in your family. You may have to move across the country. Your plans are going to have to be adjusted. And that's why Selena said earlier, right? A man plans, God laughs because it isn't always what we think. Sometimes it ends up being the total opposite. And so I think having that flexibility um, and giving yourself again, that grace to kind of be, um, open to, you know, other opportunities, those doors will open, you know, those opportunities yeah. will open. And once you walk through that door and take a seat in that position, you will realize, wow, like I never knew this is where I would end up, but I'm so happy that I'm here. And so it sounds like you've done an excellent job at, at going with the flow of life and you're happy, right? And you're yes, continuing definitely. to work hard. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I've been, this is my 10th year in education. Um, and I know that, you know, I kind of joke and I say, cause it, it weighs really heavy having two boys with the disability and, right. and they're on a, a part of the spectrum where it is severe and maybe, and more than likely they're not going to be able to live independently. So sometimes I'm like, I'm never going to be able to retire. I'm never going to be able to you know, I don't know what that that's going to be like for me, right, right. but I do know I have to do as much as I possibly can right now while I have the energy, while they're still a little bit younger because they age out eventually. And, and when I have a goal, I mean, like I, and there's not a lot of resources here in the Valley. And I mean, even like communities for individuals with special needs, it's like autism is very, it, it looks different, right? And everyone has described them as snowflakes. They all look different, their behaviors. And, and I mean that in terms of their behaviors cognitively, right? And um, and there's nowhere down here where we can cultivate the skills that they've already learned. Because once they hit 21, a school wipes their hands and says, okay, thank it's you. Horrible. You're graduating. Yeah. We'll see you later. Good job. You did awesome here. And then after that, guess where they end up? in an adult daycare at home with a provider and the parents have no means of being able to watch them. Yeah. And it's tough because how am I going to, how, what, what kind of life would I want for my boys? Yeah. And, and so that's why I kind of say I have goals. I, I do immensely even, even to provide those resources here in the Valley. Oh my goodness. Because I can, and I've done this where, you know, I mean, not done this, but I, I can leave. I can go into a into another city that has these resources, but why? This is my home. This is their home. Why yeah, and you know what? Now? I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and not only that, Selena, but I think that you not everyone has this, but you and I, I kind of want to say your sister as well, even though I don't know her on a personal level. Um, I do think that you guys have the fortitude and like the power and the commitment to bring those resources home. Like, oh, and, yeah. and it, it should happen. It should. And I myself have thought about that because I'm living in a very blessed area. I'd say for families with special needs, yes, it really opened my eyes leaving the Rio Grande Valley and coming here. And especially I spent some time as a service coordinator, um, which is like a role yes. with an insurance company. I, mean, I talk to my service coordinator all the time. Yes. Yeah. That was, I did I that. <laughs> yeah. I did that for a living and it was devastating to see the difference between, and this is just me being nosy, like going, right. looking at the system that we use to, generate resources for families here in Houston. I live in the Houston area, guys, in Texas versus down in the Rio Grande Valley and mm -hmm. nothing populates, nothing no. generates because nothing it doesn't does. exist, you know? Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you how many families I'd have moving here. And it's, we don't live very far from each other. It's like a four or five hour drive and they would have mm -hmm. to leave their family, leave their grandparents, leave home, everything that's familiar to them to come here just to seek resources for their children. So I'm like, you're here. I'm going to make sure you get those resources because if you uprooted mm -hmm. your entire life to be here for them, you deserve them. And so 
everyone in the Valley deserves them too. And so it's things that I've like talked about, you know, we were actually um, going to buy a home in the Valley a while back. Everything fell through um, at the last minute. We ended up not being able to close on it. I took it as a sign, but I'm not kidding. In my mind, I'm thinking about all these things <laughs> like career wise and just like, mm as a philanthropist or whatever way you want to look at it, <laughs> things that I wanted to kind of bring home. And I'm really blessed and lucky that I know so many incredible people in the Rio Grande Valley that are in our age group that have visions for the Valley of what they want it to become. And that's not just in terms of education no. and, you know, that's like employment and, you know, just mental health awareness. Like, you know, and that's why yeah. I try to really highlight my guests to, to be from back home because it's like I want people who are listening who know me or even don't know me but know that I am a girl from the Rio Grande Valley to know that like hey there's people looking out for us we're all trying to collectively make this a better place um, for future generations and that's your children and so it's really inspiring um, and I really can't thank you enough for being on today because I wasn't expecting to like want to like run outside and like change the world today but <laughs> That's I hope I do. Talking. I and I hope everyone does because I think that I you know this was my life. These are the things that I felt um really hurt me, but also built me. And um and I I I couldn't do this without obviously my husband and and um my sister and my family. And I think like in always having a support system. Right. And I mean, I have a few friends. And even then it, it gets hard. It gets lonely. You know, there's yes. more times where I, you know, it's okay to go into the closet and cry in the dark. That's Absolutely. Okay. And <laughs> yes. I think that, I think that coming here and talking to you today, I wanted to make sure that I talked about the things that, that normally people don't talk about. They talk about, oh my gosh, this was, this happened. I did this, I did that, but they don't see the struggle behind it. And they don't see that most importantly, that that it again it's not linear your path to what you want to do what you want to become is not linear it, you are going to struggle and that's okay yes. it's also okay because you're going to be alive the next day to face a new day and to face it even stronger and I think that is very important absolutely and I appreciate that so much because um I've had several guests on already and I I some that I don't know much about and they shock me kind of like today with you and then some that I know everything about, but they choose not to. And that's your, that's everyone's individual choice. But even the couple of people that will come on and may think, Oh, I overshared like, no, it makes a significant impact on other people. And it's really important. Um, if you're wanting to make some changes that either directly or indirectly impact you or those around you, um, you can start small, you know, and, if you're inspired to go back to school, you can start small. I've talked about that before. Like you've been out of school for so long. You feel like Ugh, I'm never going to take one class at a time, you know, start register, start just looking up degree plans. It's so, I get really giddy. That's who I am. Like I actually wanted to be an academic advisor for a long time, but I saw it didn't pay very well. I'm like, that's not fair. Cause they work really hard. Yes, and they do. Yeah. They do. <laughs> and so I wanted, like, I just get excited when friends of mine are like, I want to go back to school, but I don't know what I'm like, give me a second. I'm going to look up degree plans. We're going to find you something. So just, you know, <laughs> take every episode um, and pull from it, I hope. And it doesn't matter what you do. I don't have a lot of time. I work a few jobs right now. I have a million kids and, you know, I get busy too, but like start a podcast, uh, start a blog. I don't know. You know, you can drop small, but small drops in the bucket, you know, to make some change. And so Selena, I don't think that you realize how much talking about these things like is going to help even just my my 60 minutes fill listeners so I can't wait to get feedback I know that I will and again thank you for coming on you're welcome I, I'm like I hope you don't mind I made like notes here of like all the things I want to pick your brain about so I know you Not have hard. a busy life no 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 <laughs> I and you know again I want to pour back into the community as well and now that I'm finishing um my my master's I'm like you know what I have time um, and this is something that I want to do because that's what it's about too. Yes, it's, yes. it's, uh, spreading awareness, being there for someone advocating. If it wasn't for that advocate that came with me in my initial art, I, I wouldn't know how to navigate or know what I was looking at. If it wasn't for my sister who I was able to reach out to and ask these questions, I wouldn't know if it wasn't for the professors, you know, it, and putting yourself out there and, and asking those, those important questions. 
Um, so yeah, most definitely I'm here and I, yeah, thank you. you. And, and it, sorry, like not, not to keep this, uh, the never ending episode, but isn't it wild to know, like those people who made an impact in your life, like that advocate that went there, that role didn't exist at one point. That's crazy to think about. There were parents back in the nineties and the eighties with children on the spectrum that were either misdiagnosed, overlooked and had no. So, I mean, the evolution of these resources is amazing. And it's, conversations like this and you know people seeking degrees like you are doing right now that end up like making an impact and calling for that change so again keep doing what you're doing um I'm excited and this is on record one day we're going to look back at this episode and I'm going to be like you know (laughs) (laughs) look at Selena she's the principal she's exactly where she needed to be and we're going to speak it into existence but Anyway, um, again, thank you. And for those of you guys who haven't already, please uh, follow our Instagram at 60 Minsville and subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and be looking out for our episode drops every Tuesday, sometimes, you know, different times of the day, depending on when I can get them out. But thank you guys for your loyalty and continuing to listen. Um, I really appreciate it. So have a good one, Selena. Bye. Have a great one. Bye. Thank you.